This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. Uh, on the show today, Byron Williams, NFL analyst. We have Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk, and of course, the Philly sports guy. And uh, we'll be going all over the latest news in the in all sports, really. So, how you doing this morning, Jack? Good, Mac. Uh, lot going on in sports. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and today, Jack, we have the Chicago Bulls against the Miami Heat, OKC against the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, two. To me, very, very interesting games. I should, I would say, uh, the Bulls have their big weapon. It's Zach Levine, uh, the guard, the shooting guard, and center Nick Levine, who had 13 rebounds versus Toronto. Uh, both those are going to be have. They're both going to have to be on their game uh, to beat Miami, Jack. Well, the way Miami's playing, I don't think you necessarily have to be a toppy uh, toppy a game. Miami has underperformed all year long. That they're even in the play-in is a big disappointment because the Brooklyn Nets were faltering after they made the Kevin Durant deal. They were sinking out of the playoff position. Miami pulled even with them, and then they lose to the Brooklyn Nets on a head-on game. And then they, you know, lose a couple more games, and before you know it, they slip into the play-in position. And then they perform very poorly against the Atlanta Hawks. They lose that game, but because they were the seventh seed, the seventh and eighth seed have to win one out of two games, you know, right. to advance from the play into the playoff format. So the Heat lose to the Hawks. And now this is it. This is an elimination game. The Chicago Bulls beat the Toronto Raptors. The Bulls underperformed during the year. They were supposed to have a better team than they actually did, but they got the final position, the 10th position, and got into the play-in tournament, and then they played well in beating uh, the Toronto Raptors. So this is it, Chicago at Miami, and Jimmy Butler was saying, don't go to sleep on us. He said it before the last game against Atlanta. People are counting us out. In other words, he was saying the Heat are going to show up for the postseason tournament. And a lot of people were saying whoever plays the Heat is going to have a very dangerous opponent on their hand. And I don't look at it that way. I look for the Chicago Bulls to win at Miami tonight. But the winner between the Bulls and the Heat, they play the Boston Celtics. And I don't, and I don't give the Heat much of a chance against the Celtics. The Bulls, I would give a little better chance because they have some impact players so they might be able to perhaps trouble the Celtics, and if they could extend the series, of course, anything could happen at the end. I, I think you know, for Miami to win this, of course, Butler will have to play great for for uh, Miami uh, to have a chance. So we'll see if he can step up, Jack. OKC Giddy is the big offensive thro- uh, threat, and Minnesota Nas Reed, a big time player at center. Um, I like OKC in this game, Jack. Uh, I like Minnesota. I mean, they 
should have beaten the Lakers. They were leading most of the second half, let it get away. I wonder had Rudy Gobert been in, what the result would have been. But Rudy Gobert claims he was injured. He doesn't think he would have played against the Lakers. So as far as the Timberwolves suspending him for game for disciplinary reasons, imagine they knew he wasn't going to play anyway, so they so they suspend him, so it makes it look like, you know, tough disciplinary actions for throwing a punch at a teammate. But that situation was resolved. Gobert reported at least 50-50 whether he's going to play. I got to believe he shows up and that he plays, which makes the Zion Williamson case, you know, with the Pelicans all the more mysterious, you know, Zion sitting on the bench when they lost to OKC in the playing game. OKC, they've overachieved this year. They weren't expected to be in the play-in position because they basically had gutted their roster and gotten a bunch of draft capital in return. But they have one star, you know, Gagelius Alexander, who's really slipped under the radar as one of the NBA's uh, better players. And But I kind of like Minnesota with their talent. Anthony Edwards had a dreadful game against the Lakers. He shot three for 17. Anthony Edwards is too good a player for that. He's an emerging star. Even the best of players have a terrible game from, you know, now and then. Anthony Edwards has his against the Lakers. I expect a big bounce back game. And I think Rudy Gobert will be on the court one way or the other. It's at Minnesota. I think the Timberwolves get it done. And that means they would play the Denver Nuggets in the first round. And I give the Timberwolves a good chance in that series. Me too. Me too. You mentioned Zion Williams. He didn't play. Williams. uh, Williamson. He didn't play during the, uh, the game. But he was doing slam dunks during uh, the pregame warm-ups, Jack. So, I mean, I don't know what happened there. I have no idea what happened there. It's a bad look. I don't want to question an injury. Zion Williamson was on the bench during the game. And I can't believe that if he was ready to play, he could actually sit on the bench, watch the game, not force himself to be out there. Now, This isn't a contract thing, Mac, because he signed a mega deal a year ago. So he has his money. I could understand if he was going to be a free agent and he risked getting hurt. And his own agent told him, no, no, stay on the bench. We're about to sign a deal. You can't risk an injury. I can understand that. But that wasn't a situation. And he's also said something to the effect, well, I don't want to go out there unless I'm 100%. It's not fair to my teammates. A lot of guys are out there playing who are 100%. I don't know. I'm not judging Zion Williamson, you know, the severity of the injury. I don't know what he's feeling. But it is, it's a terrible look before the game to go on the court and do anything, you know, reverse dunk, even, even take a foul shot before the game. Yeah. Keep off the court completely. Kudos to him for at least being on the bench and supporting his players. He wasn't sitting up in the stands. He wasn't at home. He was trying to be a good teammate in that sense. I wonder what was going through his teammates' mind. They were saying all the right things. They got Zion's back. They believe him. People don't understand. Maybe they see him rehabbing behind the scenes. Maybe they see what he's going through. 
And maybe they're fine with that understanding. You know, he's not really ready to go. He's not really ready to play. Maybe his teammates understand that and they see something we don't because they're behind the scenes and we're not. But it's a terrible look if you're going to do a reverse dunk before the game. You mean to tell me you can't then come off the bench for a couple of minutes late in the game if needed? You can't tell the coach, look, I'm not 100%. I'm not well. If the game is on the line with a couple of minutes to go or something, you could throw me in. You know, even though I don't feel I'm ready, you know, I'll do it in an absolute emergency. This is all a mystery to me. You know what's going to be revealing, Mac? If the Pelicans tried to trade him in the offseason or listen to offers and have communication with other teams, if the Pelicans indicate they're willing to listen to trade offers for Zion Williamson, you know they're fed up with them, and you know it's an attitude thing, and you know things aren't going to get better. Yeah. And also with Zion Williamson, the weight issue, Mac, he just, you know, looks like he's not in the greatest of shape. When you look at him, I know he's got a big body, but he doesn't have any type of lean look even with the big body. And that's alarming because it makes you think, how hard does he really work, Mac? What's his level of conditioning, yeah. you know, not only during the season, but during the off season? Yeah. And, and, and optics is everything, you know, like you're saying, people see this and, uh, you know, you're watching, you're, you're a fan, you're watching him do the slam dunks and then he doesn't come in. Um, yeah. Tomorrow's games, Jack, you got the Nets at the 76ers, Atlanta at Boston, New York Knicks at Cleveland, Golden State at uh, the Sacramento Kings, Los Angeles Lakers at the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, and the Los Angeles Clippers at Phoenix. Uh, Andrews Wiggins is uh, cleared to play today. Uh, Charles Barkley and many other people right now are saying the Knicks and Cavs are the only exciting game in the East matchups. Uh, Barkley says don't even bother watching Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee because they're easy Easy winners in those games. So, Jack, everybody's saying the Cavs and the Knicks are the most exciting game in the East, and I, I agree with them. I, I think this is going to be a very exciting series. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Barkley is not wrong. I mean, traditionally, the opening round of the NBA series is non-competitive. Once in a while, there's an upset, and a lower seed beats a higher seed. I mean, that's normal. That's inevitable. It's going to happen once in a while. But on balance, the favorites aren't going to lose. I mean, the Celtics aren't going to slip up, you know, against uh, Miami or uh, Chicago. It's it's unlikely, okay? Yeah. Philadelphia 76ers aren't going to slip up against the Brooklyn Nets. What a disaster that would be in Philly if they did. You know, if the Nets still had Durant, yeah, on their team, and they were seated in that position, and then Kyrie Irving came back, then it becomes kind of fun, that series, you know, that yes. it, think, you know, maybe there's going to be an upset there, but uh, the net, I mean, the Knicks and the Cavs, great, great series, you know, I, I picked the Cavs in the beginning of the year to come out of the East, I'm still sticking with it, believe it or not, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this series. What a terrible matchup for the Knicks. Not that they can't be competitive. Not that they can't take it six, seven games. 
But I think this is a series that's destined to end with the Knicks losing, meaning they're not getting out of the first round. And if you're a Knicks fan and you look back on the season, you're going to go, wait a second. I thought we had all this potential, all this promise. And we're, you know, we're one and done. We're out in the first round. And yeah. that just doesn't do it. The, the Knicks fan base badly needs to win one series. One series, Matt. It's okay if they win this series and then they lose to Boston and then they lose to Milwaukee, you know, and it's it, the next go round, even Philadelphia, but just, you know, get out of the first round and bad series from just like the West Mac Sacramento Kings had a great year, exceeded expectations. So even if they lose in the first round, it's a successful year, at least for them. But they're playing Golden State. What a terrible matchup. They're the third seed, and that's their sixth seed. You figure you get rewarded. The higher you seed, the bigger the reward. The idea is you're going to play the weakest teams, the lowest seeds. Right. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. You, so you get a Golden State who fell into the number six slot, and they're like a nightmare for the number three Sacramento Kings. You know, I, I like the Knicks in six against uh, against Cleveland, Jack. I just think they're too deep for uh, for for uh, for the Cavs. I think they got a really strong bench, and uh, you know, I I like them at six, Jack. So I think they move on. I I don't know who they're playing after that if they win. Uh, but listen, the Knicks have beaten the Celtics, they've beaten Milwaukee, uh, and they've beaten uh, the 76ers this year. So it's going to be interesting to me to see how far the Knicks can go this year. Well, it depends. You know, you, you say hypothetically, let's imagine the Knicks win. I don't think it's going to happen. I like the Cavs in six. I just think off the boards, rebounding, you know, the Cavs are going to be stronger in okay. that department. You know, they have players who score. I, look for, I don't think any player on the court is as good as Donovan Mitchell. I know Brunson is an excellent defender. Okay, he's had a big year, but Donovan Mitchell, I, I expect him to play like a superstar in this series. Uh, I'm rooting for the Knicks, though. But right, I just right. have to be objective here. Hypothetically, if the Knicks do win, which is obviously a realistic possibility, and let's say the other series play out, the Celtics, Bucks win, Sixers win, and Knicks win, the Knicks play Boston next and Milwaukee plays Philadelphia next. Out of the three teams, I think the Sixers would be the most beatable by far. I agree. I agree. By far. But the Knicks wouldn't get, get them. Milwaukee would get them. Yeah. The Celtics would get the Knicks. And, and if the, and then if the Celtics and Bucks won, they would play in the Eastern Finals. You right. know, in reality, the two best teams. During and that, the and that looks like I was going to match up, too, so. Well, I think Cleveland might have something to do with it. If Cleveland beats the Knicks, then they play the Celtics. You I know, next, unless the, uh, unless something strange happens, the Bulls have a lot of talent. They beat Miami tonight. Let's say the Bulls beat the Celtics the next go round, which isn't out of the question, Mac. The Bulls have some high-profile players there. I mean, yeah. I don't think they beat the Celtics, but let's say they did. It wouldn't be crazy off the charts if it happened, uh, the Bulls would be the last seed, and then I guess Milwaukee 
would play the Bulls. And if the Knicks beat the Cavaliers, they'd be playing the Sixers, assuming the Sixers played the Nets. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think the Knicks could beat the 76ers too. But maybe I'm just a homer. But I, I think they have a shot at them. Um, the NHL playoffs, the New York Rangers grabbed the last position as uh, the Penguins uh, lose and their 16-year playoff run. I think they went to the Stanley Cup, if I'm not mistaken, Jack, in 2008 and 2009, somewhere around there. Um, and uh, their their captain, longtime captain, of course, uh, he's retiring. Um, so, you know, let's let's just take a look at the games real quick. The New York Rangers, as I said, uh, they beat Winnipeg four to two. Philly finishing off strong. They beat uh, the Chicago. Um, Black Blackhawks five to four. Uh, let's see, Kings beat the Ducks five to three. Knights beat the Craig, Kraken, who've been playing well lately, two to one. Kraken so, make playoffs basically yeah. is a couple of years into being an expansion team. One yeah. thing about the NHL, expansion teams win fairly quickly. Who could get the Las Vegas, Las Vegas winning the cup, you know, basically it's a new team. So Yes. Um, and uh, the Bruins, of course, finished the season with the uh, best record in wins and in points. And, of course, as we said before, uh, anything less than a Stanley Cup would be uh, disappointing for them. Uh, Major League Baseball, Jack. The New York Yankees lose to Minnesota 11-2 as DJ LeMahieu and Torres are injured. Um, Torres has been a big part of their offense this year, Jack. And I don't know how long he's injured for, uh, but there's talk about bringing up Peraza, uh, you know, to help out in the infield. You know, I am sick of this Peraza talk. Not that he's not a good prospect. People keep saying, well... I don't know about signing Gleyber Torres because we could trade him. We've got Peraza. I've got news for you folks. Gleyber Torres is better than Peraza. Let Peraza, de if Peraza develops, he'll be another Gleyber Torres. Right. That's what Peraza's ceiling basically is. He's not better than Gleyber Torres. You've got the guy who should be a second baseman for years to come. But the Yankees are fooling around. They're letting this linger, and then they're going to have to pay Gleyber Torres a lot more money than they intended eventually if they want to resign him, or they're going to lose him, and they're going to be worse off for it. I mean, the Yankees don't have a vision for the most part of signing players way in advance of them becoming free agents, figuring they're going to be cornerstones of the team. They, they did do it with two players, with Luis Severino, and Aaron Hicks. And you could argue, well, oh, look, it didn't work out with Hicks. And that's correct. He's on the roster. That signing hasn't worked out. And unless Hicks turns things around, you could say that it was absolutely a bad deal, seven years, million total. But they did sign Severino long term. He, he's been hurt. But also, if Severino became a free agent, he would have gotten a lot more money and he was offered. He got something like about $70 million for seven years. Some of it was deferred. You know, and I think his option last year was for $15 million. But had he been a free agent, there'd be a team out there that would pay him more. You yeah. know, but the yeah. Yankees, certain players like a Gleyber Torres, don't fool around with them. Because if you pay them more money later, you know what that means, Mac? 
that's there's going to be a free agent out there who you're not going to feel you can afford because he's making a little too much. So you, you know, but if you had that extra money in reserve, you know, then you could be a little more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think I think Torres is 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 a future player for the Yankees. He loves baseball. He's willing to do anything that you ask him to do. Uh, steals bases, base hits, has some power. I think he's going to be a good one for a long time. Now he's a he's one year away from free agency at the end of the year. Then it becomes much harder to sign him. I agree. I agree, Jack. Um, as I said, uh, the uh, well, let's get let's get to Tampa Bay. Uh, the winning streak, uh, I think, is what thirteen games now, Jack. If I'm not mistaken, thirteen. Yeah. Uh, they beat Boston nine to three. Um, you know, Boston is an okay team. Uh, they're a lot better uh, than who they've the A's, uh, but still in last place in in, in the uh, AL East. They play Toronto, Jack, and I think this is when we're going to find out how good Tampa Bay is. I'm not talking about the first game. I'm talking about the series. If they can take two out of three from Toronto, <laughs> and even though it's early, and we always say it is, this tells me a lot about the Tampa Bay Rays. It doesn't tell me a thing about a Mac at all. Not a thing. It's just a series. They won 13 in a row. They've created a buzz. They created a buzz. Let's be honest about it. I wouldn't be looking at the Tampa Bay Ray box. I wouldn't be going out of my way, I should say. Look at all the box scores. But the Tampa Bay Rays are the big news in baseball. Maybe even in all the sports because they've won 13 in a row. So when Tampa Bay's playing, I'm checking the box scores, what's going on, unless, uh, you know, here in Florida, I could actually get the game live. Right. So I can watch the game, you know, which I'll do. But it, because they're on this streak, you want to see him keep it going. It's like Mac. It's like a pitcher pitching a no-hitter. At what point in the game do we notice? About the fourth inning. About the fourth inning, it has our attention, I would think. Now we're, we're waiting to see whether the other team gets a hit. Certainly by the sixth inning, we're by the TV. We're not shutting it off. Maybe we're doing other things, but we're keeping it on until the other team gets a hit. And that's what's going on with Tampa Bay now. The eyes of the baseball world are on them. So even if they went two out of three, they get swept. Or whatever it doesn't it's just another series in reality teams have ebbs and flows even bad teams win seven eight in a row sometimes during a season they just happen to be off to a a great great start and maybe they and i don't view the tampa bay rays as a team that's going to make history when all said and done i don't even think they're going to win their division the east when all is said and done they're just off to a great start, and this cushion helps them later on because they're now 13 games over 500 in reality, so it sets the trend for the rest of the year. But it's it's fun to see how long they can keep this going. Yes. Byron, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. How you guys doing? Byron Williams is our NFL analyst that comes on every uh, Friday, former New York Giants wide receiver. Um, Byron. We're just talking about Tampa Bay. Have you been following that at all? I have. Yeah. 
Yeah. They look exciting. I mean, they got a game tonight, and um, they, you know, they're gonna make history. I think so. I, you know, one of the things I think of being a being an athlete and being playing in the you know major league uh, NBA and NFL is, you know, when you have an opportunity to to set the mark, even even in hockey, you know, uh, I think it's exciting for those those players. I think making history is, is exciting. I think you know. Um, that just changed the morale of the team. If you get a good start, you know, you never know how the season you end up. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when you're chasing history, it's, it's good to be in that position. Yeah. There's yeah. so much excitement you can imagine for the players coming to the ballpark. They kind of want to keep this going. They, You never want it to end. But right. obviously it has to end soon. And what I mean by soon in the next couple of weeks at least, maybe the next week, maybe the next day. It's not going to last more than, let's say, a couple of more weeks. You don't want to think of that because I'm saying that would mean about 13 more games a couple of more weeks. And this is baseball where they're going to lose. You lose a lot of games no matter who you are during the baseball season. But you kind of don't want it to end. And it's, it's exciting. When it does end, you can imagine the mindset. It's kind of a little bit of a bummer to start all over again. Yeah, yeah, and and you know when when you win the way they're winning, you know it's it's so so much excitement in that, and um and and you know it's hard to win that many games in a row. I don't care what what on any level, but when you when you can win like that, um, it's kind of like watching the UConn women. You know they they was they they won a lot of games and a lot of championships, but you know, it's exciting when you can set records and, and be the elite team and make history. That's what's that's what's good about all this. Yeah, you people know. don't realize Mac, Mac also and Byron, when Joe DiMaggio hit 56 straight games, when his streak was broken, you figure he's gonna be down in the dumps. Then he hit in 16 games in a row after that. How many yeah. players had in their whole career hidden 16 games in a row? Even their number of great players who you know didn't get to that point the hardly did. Yeah, 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 so, that's the side. So let's get to some New York Giants news. Uh, Byron, the biggest news has got to be Sa- Saquon not signing the franchise tag uh, along with Dexter Lawrence. I think Saquon, of course, a lot bigger uh, loss than Dexter Lawrence would be. Are you starting to get worried, Byron? I am. I, I think um, I don't know what he's, what he's thinking, but, I, I mean, I guess he might be – you know, want a deal on the table, you know, and uh, just looking at his all-purpose yards, you know, he's in the top five running backs in the league. Of course, for stats, top five, but for as my opinion, I think he's in top top one or two elite running backs in the league. And I think mm-hmm. if something can happen, that'd be so much better, more more comfort for the, you know, for the team. I think uh, what he have done, his hard work after knee knee injury and coming back and playing, you know, last year, so whatnot, but. I just think that uh, they should try to, you know, just solidify him and see if he could maybe get a deal worked out. I yeah, think this is about guys. I think this is about leverage. Saquon Bar- Barkley is a New Jersey guy. Okay, this is where he's from. He played at Penn State. He's from the area. He loves being a Giant. I believe he grew up being a Giant fan and all. So the Giants feel he really doesn't want to go anywhere else. See, it's a team kind of feels they have that leverage, but once in a while that leverage could backfire. I remember uh, 
basketball player, Alan Houston, when he was with the Detroit Pistons, he was from the, the, the Detroit area. So the Pistons didn't pay that much attention to him during the negotiating time. You know, they took care of other needs. And he got ticked off and he went to the Knicks. But they figure a boy from Detroit who, you know, lived here, you know, from the area, he's not going to want to leave the area. But he did. Yeah, yeah you're right. In this day and time, I, I, it's, it's all about getting paid. I, I mean, you, you can love the area or whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, you just got to, got to pay these guys. And, you know, especially if they mean so much to your franchise, I think. You know, looking at the community, looking at what he, what he, what he can do in the locker room for you. It's a lot of things that I think can be in the equation to be, you know, make sure that you sign this guy because it's certain people that can make things happen on the football field and off the football field. But I'm going to tell you with the Giants guys, what he means on the field is the bottom line. And that Daniel Jones doesn't have Saquon Barkley. If you thought he ran a lot last year, he's going to be running a lot more this year. And Darren Waller, the tight end they got, as great as he was, he's been injury prone. We just don't know. A couple of years ago, remember the Giants got Kyle Rudolph from the Vikings. Everyone got excited. Oh, Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram together were awesome at tight end. And yep. nothing happened at the tight end position. Absolutely. You, yeah. You're absolutely right. And I, I, I just think, too, um, you need you need Saquon to be a part of that team, part of the offense, you know, and, and and the things that he can do. You know, it's hard to find a running back that can do it all. I mean, for us catching out of the backfield, excellent hands. I mean, everything that asked him to do, he have done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope I hope they get this deal done with him sooner than later. That's for sure. Um, the Giants, uh, of course, um, they're they're to me that uh, Byron, their draft needs, of course. Is a quarter um, a wide receiver? Almost a quarter. A wide receiver. Um, is there any? Uh, I don't know if you're looking at the the college teams. Is there any wide receivers out there? You think the, the Giants? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I like the I like the I like the receiver here at TCU. Uh, um, Quentin Quentin uh, Williams, I think his name, and uh, he 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 have shown me some things that I think will fit you know, into the Giants style of play. I think, you know, he's consistently uh, a big playmaker. I think that's what the Giants need. They need someone with some speed as well as good hands and can, you know, run multiple, multiple routes. And I think he can bring all that to the Giants. I think um, he's probably going to be a 20-something pick on the first round, you know, so he, he can be, still be available. But it's about five receivers uh, that's in this draft that uh, can come in and change I mean, if you look at the draft the last five or six years, the top five receivers that go into the draft have been pretty good athletes that could come in and have an impact on, on, on the NFL team. I mean, the Giants have needs. I mean, there's talk of them taking an offensive lineman, maybe a center. Mm -hmm. There'll be a couple available at the time. So when you think of it, the Giants, I mean, they could use another running back as well, but they're not going to draft one. But – what would be more important for the Giants to address to get Daniel Jones some type of weapon, you know, receive all the offensive line, which would be more important? Yeah, I think I think a wide receiver would be real important. I, I mean, you need these receivers that's coming out this day and time, I think, uh, bring a lot to the game. And I think if you get a receiver that come in and at least have a thousand to at least twelve hundred yards, maybe eight touchdowns, six touchdowns, 
that's a good that's a huge impact for the Giants. You know, someone they're gonna be able to, to play all 16, 17 games uh during the season. And you need a guy that's gonna be kind of physical because I think um you look at guys coming out of college, you, you, you know, they, they're not used to playing 16, 17 games, and that's another factor. So you don't you need a good physical receiver as well that um uh, that you know lift weights and and probably have a good uh structured body to, to be able to have those contacts because you got to get somebody off the line of scrimmage. You know, I look at all that, you know, guys being being physical, fit and ready to play. There's a couple of receivers that they that they got in the top five or six that's kind of, you know, real thin type receivers, but I think um, a couple of receivers are really ready to go in and make an impact. Uh, what I don't understand, I mean, the logic of NFL executives, GMs, I don't make, can't make any sense out of it. DeAndre Hopkins can supposedly be had. So you mean to tell me DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't be worth a number two and a number four draft choice? In other words, DeAndre Hopkins for two players who would be coming out of college, we don't know how good they would be. I don't understand that if you have a chance and you're the Giants to grab DeAndre Hopkins, any team that could grab a receiver like that, especially <laughs> the Giants, you grab them. You make the deal. This is DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league if he's healthy. But the Giants might feel, oh, we don't want to give up a number two draft choice. Let me tell you something. DeAndre Hopkins would be worth their number one draft choice. Whoever they're mm-hmm. drafting, is it going to be a better player than DeAndre Hopkins? I can understand that maybe they can't fit him in under the cap. I don't know about that's, all this cap. That's stuff. what I was just going to say. That, if that's the main reason, the main reason, I understand. But if it's reluctance to give up draft capital, I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, if, I, if I get a chance to get DeAndre Hopkins, I, I would actually grab him. I, I think he's he still got a lot of upsides, and you know he he missed the first six games last year. But I tell you what, um, when he came back, he came in with a terror, and you know he it's hard to find a receiver like that as well, and somebody that that, that knows the, the 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 way the game is played and play hard each and every down. That's the kind of player you want, and I think you know uh, I think that would be the player I could add to make sure you get it instantly. Your elevation in your team and capability of being able to to win at the NFC East because you need a player like that. But as a GM, Byron, don't you think it's smarter um, to get a, a rookie young wide receiver than to sign a DeAndre Hopkins? And as Jack said, the money is the issue. It's not draft choices. It's the money. You're not going to pay yeah. wide, young wide receivers a lot of money to start. Yeah, that's absolutely that's true, and you you know I I know a couple of you know Shepard took a pay cut this year, and and you know we did the same thing with the receiver from Detroit that came in and didn't really make an impact, but I, I just also think too if uh, you you know you sitting in the in the seat to where you know you talk to some of these players and their agents in the offseason and see if they will fit, but you know like I said we it's a couple of, it's five receivers in this draft that they can come in and immediately help help a team as well. So just depending on how much you want to pay these players. Yes. Uh, the NFL NFL PA um, is, is, uh, has a helmet that will help the quarterbacks right now, especially designed uh, for concussions um, <clears throat> that the quarterbacks have been getting on those big hits. Um, 
and it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's going to affect uh, anything either. It's not like it's it's not like it's wearing a top of the helmet like they do in practice or anything. Of course, it's inside the helmet. Um, good idea, Byron, right? Yeah, they they've been they've been working on different technology for for a while. It's Kevlar is a, is a type of system too that both protect the brain. Uh, instead of the uh, impact uh, goes inside, goes into the to the brain, it pulls go back out of the helmet. So there are different styles of things that they've been trying uh, test for for years. I know the, the the cap that they had last year with the linemen is is really working good, yeah. great results. Um, the helmet cap, but I, I just think too that um, you'll see a lot of new new technology come about come that they're trying. And uh, I think it's gonna help with the with the cut down the injuries and uh, protect the players. So that's one of the things they've really been working on for technology, as well as the replacement of the football fields and the injuries that they um, keep up with uh, as players have gotten over the years with the injuries. Uh, so that's a lot of good things that's going on behind the scene. I agree. I agree, Byron. Um, the Chiefs signed former. New York Giants wide receiver Richie James, who had a pretty good year for the Giants last year. The Chiefs are just taking our wide receivers, Byron. I mean, we got to stop this. I know it. Rick, yeah, Richard, he had a good season too last year. And he catched punts as well. You know, him coming from the 49ers before he got to the Giants. I mean, he played spectacular. I mean, he, you know, he filled in, uh, played big. I think he had won a couple of games last year for the Giants. I mean, he was a, he was one of those ill factors. And I think that one of the good things about about uh, Richie James is that he's he's been consistent in his play. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Greg. How you doing this morning? Um, the uh, uh, Jack's favorite uh, play, Giants player, uh, Thibodeau, has bought a brand new house for his mom. I mean, a lot of players do this when they start making money; they got to take care of moms because moms took care of them. Uh, Seems like a really good kid. I know I heard a lot about him coming up that he's, you know, a little flamboyant, that, you know, he talks a little too much and stuff like that. But I think he, he's he's a real good kid, Byron. And uh, you got to take care of moms, right? Absolutely. And, you know, last year we, was tell, we were talking about the draft choices, and he was the fifth player taken, right? And so you and I was on point with that. And, you know, I, I think he played well as a rookie. I mean, you know, I just think he needs to stay healthy. Get in that weight room, and now that he's you know he's he's settled in, you know this is gonna be a big season for him. You know I, I look for big things out of him. He, he when he when he come to play, he come to play. He was the fifth overall choice in the draft. He underperformed. I'm gonna be polite to him. He underperformed. That's what I'm gonna say. He did last year. Didn't he make our rookie team? Yes. No rookie team. I mean, what did he do for the Giants? You talk about the Giants. You talk about Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams on their, you know, defensive line. No one talks about Thibodeau. They do too. I mean, yeah. Thibodeau's not a factor there. I mean, oh, here goes, we go. Uh, he didn't play well. He was non-existent, you know. How about, that, how about that sack, strip, fumble, touchdown, Jack? That wasn't playing. That's a, he, he every. Three, four games he shows up. You know, he's like every four games, let's say, he'll have one really good game. Wow, he's awesome. What a great game by Thibodeau. Then he'll take three weeks off. He's like the guy who comes in in the office. It's an eight-hour day. 
Man. He works from 9 to 11 in the morning. All this work. And then from 11 to 5, he's hanging around, getting a cup of coffee, schmoozing with the other workers, but not getting the production done. Let me, say, let me say this, Jack. If he would have got drafted by the New York Jets, you would have definitely have a mind, a different mindset about this young no, man. No, I didn't want the Jets to draft him. I said beforehand, I was so thrilled they left Garrett. You know, the Giants left Garrett Wilson. And I was the Giants still had a choice, a chance to get Garrett Wilson number seven. They took Thibodeau at five. I didn't want to listen. Thibodeau would have been fine had he been available in the third round for the Jets, oh, third round God. of the draft. Then I would have said, okay, let's take a chance on him. <sighs> and it's in <clears throat> value at that point. My argument with Thibodeau is not that he can't play in the league for years. He's going to be around for years. He'll be like an eight-year pro or something like that. Have some good, Have some good moments. He's just not going to be one of the impactful players, you know, over the years for way was drafted. You know what? I'm going to predict this right now. Thibodeau will be a Pro Bowl player this year. He's going to have a spectacular year, and he's going to eat up the NFC East. Watch what I tell you, Jack. He'll have a couple of good games. He's going to have 10 sacks, okay? He's going to have a couple Ten. of good games. Hey, Matt, you hear hey, me say that? Somehow he gets 10 sacks. Listen, Byron, if somehow he gets 10 sacks somehow, he's going to do it over the first four games of this season and then go to sleep the rest of the year while the Giants lose, don't go to the playoffs. And then he's going to, and then he's, you're going to point to his numbers. He had 10 sacks. Hey, hey, Mac, I'm writing this down. All right. April, April, April the 14th. Yeah, I told you last year he wasn't going to be any type of major fact, and he wasn't. Yes, he, he was. Body work. He will play of the week. He will play of the week when he got yes. the touchdown strip sack and, and all had, that. He had a week. He didn't have a year. He didn't Jack, have a year. Jack, imagine, Jack. The Jets, imagine the Jets took him at number four instead of Sauce Gardner. Yeah. They built the, they went for the hype. You know what it no. is? The, the, the Jazz needed a defensive back bad. They needed someone bad. They needed a pass rusher pretty bad. Carl Lawson was, you know, hurt. So they needed a pass rusher a pretty well. They, they had different needs. But, they, okay, listen. Ten seconds. He's a, Thibodeau, I'm willing to concede He's an okay player. He's okay, but okay. not worth, you know, oh, not worth where he yeah. went in the draft by yeah. far. He didn't just get sacks last year. I mean, he's the only one that sacked uh, the Eagles quarterback during the playoffs. He didn't just get sacked. He had he a, a terrible game against he got the a Eagles. Lot of, he, got a lot of, he got a lot of pressures on the quarterback. He, he, did, not get a, he did not get a lot of he's pressures. Good. On, he's good against the running one. He was chasing down people going across the field. Let me tell you something. He was doing a snowflake celebration because it's so rare where he made big plays. He was ex overly ecstatic himself. Yeah, I tell you what. If he don't get over ten sacks, I'm gonna run fifty miles this year. No, he's gonna run fifty miles for the year. Listen, Mac Byron's smart the way he included <laughs> that in. 
That means one mile a week, Byron. I think Thibodeau will be one of the best defensive players this year. Going into the second year, I, I think it's a key, it's a key point. I think he, he he know the game. He learned the speed of the game. He got the concept, got the strategy of the defense down. And I think now, you know, he, he just settled down. He, if he bought his mom's house, that's great. Now he just focus on football. Yeah, well, I think he had a lot on his plate. A young rookie, Byron. Byron, we'll see what happens. Let's just let's end it with that because we've been what ten minutes on Thibodeau right now. Yeah, so, Thibodeau. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Uh, Eli Manning wins a sports Emmy award for his work on the commercials and the work he does on the different shows. Uh, you know, the Monday night. And all that stuff. So that's pretty exciting. Glad he won. Did the Peyton ever win that award? People no. are going to draw comparisons. Peyton's actually Peyton won, Peyton won something, Jack. I don't. I don't remember what award he won, but I don't think it was a sports Emmy. I think Peyton. I don't take this the wrong way. It's a little more competitive than Eli on things like that. I think Peyton takes it more at the heart. Like Eli is just happy-go-lucky, he's glad to win any awards, and it means something to him, no misunderstand me, but, but, but Peyton, he's probably thinking, darn it, Eli got the award, I would like to, I'm happy for Eli, but I should have got the award. Eli's probably a little more happy-go-lucky with that. But, oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So well, but, one of the things I like about Eli, his his, his awards, uh, uh, you know, he, he does a lot, and I think uh, the things that he does, I saw him on a, on a I saw him on an ad going in and celebrating the girls' flag football program with the, on uh, at the Giant MetLife. So uh, he does a lot of other things too. So I like that. Yeah, me too. Uh, Byron, I don't know, I don't know who your favorite team is in the NBA, uh, but the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York uh, Knicks are going to be playing. Uh, what a lot of people will say is going to be the the most exciting game in the East. Uh, in this 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 uh, this tournament. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think the Knicks can be Cleveland, or has Cleveland got the Knicks number? Oh man! So far this year, I think Cleveland had had the Knicks number, but I just think in the playoffs, it's, it's a whole different type of game being played. I think um, I think it's going to be the team with in the last three minutes deciding deciding these games how they play, how hard they can play. The last three minutes of the game, so um, I hope the Knicks do turn around. They, they need this to, to turn around. I know Cleveland have done some things uh, with the signing of the, of the guy from Utah, and I, I just think that um, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, but but they don't. Cleveland doesn't have the Knicks number. The Knicks beat them the last time they played in the regular season. So regardless of what happened before that. That was like a statement game for the Knicks to send out like a warning shot to the Cavaliers. Look, we beat you late in the season here head on, so you don't have our number. That's yeah. kind of the message sent when you beat another team. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the season, you don't play your, your – some of the players don't play because they already set for the playoffs. They, they rest a lot of their players. So I just think playoff is a different case scenario when, when you when – you, um, the heat is turned up a little bit even more. Yeah, well, it should, it should be a great series. Quickly, uh, uh, you got like another 13 minutes at least with us, uh, Byron. Uh, Snyder reaches agreement to sell uh, the, the the team to uh, Josh Harris. Yeah, uh, Josh. Yeah, he's the owner of 76ers. Uh, there's another one involved, another group involved. 
But for $6 billion, Byron, uh, crazy money, I don't think the Redskins are worth $6 million right now. I don't either, but I think um, Dennis Snyder is smiling. I think he's going to try to see if they can close that deal. Uh, you know, Magic Johnson is part of that, that Josh deal, Josh Harris uh, team. And I think, you know, I think he's going to really take the money and go. Uh, Dennis Snyder is ready to. You know, I think he's ready to go. I, I never, he probably never thought they'd they'll get six six billion for it. You know, that's more than what the uh, the, the Walmart people paid for Denver last year, for sure. What does Daniel Snyder now do with his life? Basically, he doesn't have a team, you know, to pay attention to. <clears throat> you have six billion dollars. You can live wherever you want. Basically, do whatever you want in the material sense. What exactly do you do? You know, with uh, a guy that you tried to buy a lesser team. If he tried to buy a baseball franchise, would he be able to? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think Dan, I don't think nobody else would want Dan Snyder to be an owner. Nowhere. I don't think he can get get an ownership. But you know, I, I, not in sports. Maybe he can do something else. But I think he he messed up his turn for being an owner. For people want, wanted to see him being an owner. Good morning, Pags. The Philly sports guy is in with us this morning. Um, you know, Pags, <laughs> you were on there endorsing the, uh, you know, the hot dog, uh, dollar hot dog thing, and it turned into a big food fight. Uh, of course, the beer sales have been extended. I think that might be part of it. Were you there when this all was happening, Pags? Were you at the no, the, the, no? Okay, <laughs> all right. I was wondering if you got caught. Was it my fault? It was not my fault. I uh, so I I did have one dollar dog, uh, and, and really it wasn't a food fight. It was uh, one guy said, "Hey, uh, I was only able to get four hot dogs at a time, so I only had twelve hot dogs." And one guy says, "Here, well, here's number thirteen. And then somebody threw number fourteen, number fifteen, number sixteen. It was yeah. The one guy was collecting all the hot dogs. So yeah, the media of course blew it all up out of proportion. I think there has to be maybe in the school something you should start uh, on social behavior, like a course on fan behavior should be in there because the Eagle fan, I mean, the Philadelphia fans, excuse me, all of them have been a little over the top. This is already going a little too far, throwing hot dogs at one another in right field. I mean, going into overtime and beer sales, whoever heard of that? Like, affiliate teams sell beer past the expiration limit. The fans are getting drunk. They're getting out of hand. Byron could tell you, being a former player, it wasn't comfortable going into Philadelphia. Those fans were more rowdy than fans in other places. Right, Byron? No doubt. No doubt. I can't argue that. Hold on. Yankee Stadium sells beer all the way up to the end of the game, right? Yeah. All the way but up to Philly, the ninth inning. But Philly is the only stadium to have a jail at the stadium. Yeah, Philadelphia <laughs> has no jail in the stadium, all right? Just because just because you had to go visit it once or twice, Byron, does not mean that we had it. Uh, it was only in the vet. You know, I, I love it that you guys like to make your own narrative. It's just like the rest of the national media. You know, it's like it's 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 all right to beat up on Philly. We could take it. All you other cities are are, are a little weak. Yeah. Well, you know, you really did do you really did do well last year when you came to Dallas. I have to give you credit. You was uh you had the Philly fans here over there at Texas Live 
and you did a great job. So I, I'll take that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now, but it was, and we were just making sure that anybody who didn't get a hot dog were able to get one. So that's why we were making sure we were throwing them over to somebody who was who was necessary. Uh, had to wait too long in line. Well, 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 sir. On a serious note, guys, you know, I don't know if I agree with extending the beer sales. Uh, you know, uh, past, past the. Uh, I know the games are shorter, the rules are shorter, and and the you know the beer guys want to want to make up their revenue, but still, uh, it does cause problems when you're uh, selling beer. Um, you know, after the game is over, or, or you know, in the ninth inning of the game, I think that's that's got to be stopped. I mean, there's a lot of critics out there uh, that are saying that also. Um, they let you leave with the beer at Yankee Stadium. All right, full well. can of beer. Oh yeah, I just did with my face painted. Full yeah. can of beer. As I'm walking out, they're saying bye, see ya. Yeah, you know, they not, don't they don't make you drink it. Well, they don't make fact, whatever you. I'm not. I'm it. not saying. I'm not saying the Yankee Stadium's any better than anybody else. I'm just saying that this is a problem that that all the MLB is having right now. Uh, with the the beer uh, being sold, you know that's all. Do you find that these games are going a little too fast? I I think so. Jack does, and I think I think they're going too fast. I think you're not getting your money's worth anymore. The game's over, and you know you're there to see stars play, and you're there to enjoy the day. And I I think it's way too fast right now. Uh, uh, I I agree. Actually, I kind of feel that uh, if I I think that. The pitch clock has done its job. I think it's done it a little too well. I don't think that two hours and 38 minutes is a necessary speed of this game. When you speed up the game like this, you are actually taking away. I feel like you're taking away a lot from it. I agree. So I I, I feel that uh, the, the disengagement rule is a little funny. And I think that it should probably extend the pitch clock to 20 and 25. So um, uh, just that extra five seconds, I think, would make a difference. Keep yeah. the keep the hey, the, the batter still got to get in there within eight seconds. And, you know, the pitcher has got to be able to do whatever he's got to do and be in the windup before he reaches zero. But I think that's I think that extra five seconds would make a difference and would allow certain things that aren't happening right now because these players were brought up at a different era of baseball in general and yeah. slow version of baseball to all of a sudden try to push them back to a speed uh, back to speed. I think uh, it's just taken away a little bit from this game. Pag said the average NFL game will last about three hours for the most part, maybe three hours and a few minutes above that. But then with the pitch clock, baseball games are lasting about the same amount of time as hockey and basketball games. And we don't complain those games are too short. It's just a question of getting used to it. And if you want time at the ballpark, come an hour early. Beat the traffic. Get to your seat, be comfortable, you hang out, you socialize, the game begins, and then you're ready to go home at the end. And you'll have like, you know, three hours, 15 minutes or so at the ballpark, and that's fine. Hey, Jack, how often do you leave a game early to go beat the traffic? I don't. Usually, traditionally, I never do. I mean, it, it's rare. I went. The last game I went to was the World Baseball Classic here in Miami. 
And I wanted to leave before the game, but I, you know, I forced myself to stay. Nicaragua was beating Israel 5-1 at the end of eight innings, and I dreaded sitting there for the ninth inning. But I figured anything could happen. You know, it's the funny thing about going to a ball game, guys. I don't know whether you feel this way. A party is like a fighter who wants to last the distance. You really don't want to be there at the end, but you feel you should be there until the whole game runs its course. Well, I think well, I think the good. Go ahead, Pat. I, I kind of feel that what's happening right now is that there have been pitchers that were brought up in slow baseball that are not good pitchers in fast baseball. And there's going to be a big, uh, I guess, exodus of relief pitchers that don't know how to work fast. And I feel like that that's part of the problem the Phillies are having right now. The Phillies, I think, uh, their bullpen, uh, a lot of their bullpen, specifically Sir Anthony Dominguez, is first off, I think he's he's still trying to recover a little bit from an injury, but I think that he doesn't know how to work fast, and because of that, it's he's letting up a lot of runs, and he's not the only pitcher to do that. Now I'm not just talking with the Phillies either. There's there's certain pitchers that are not able to work fast, and because of that, they are giving up a lot of runs. And there's going to be a big change in those pitchers because can't give up a lot of runs. You know, I feel like that in general, these games are like two hours and 38 minutes is the average time of a game. I mean, some games are ending in like two hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. So you wait in line to go get some food uh, in Philadelphia in Yankee Stadium. You can go down to your seat at any time. In Philadelphia, they make you wait between batters. So you wind up with having to sit outside waiting to get to your seat because they haven't they haven't changed their rule yet to be able to go uh, in between pitches or what have you. Tags, just getting off that, the Phillies off to slow start. Bryce Harper, when is he due back? What's the timeline on Bryce Harper? Because... Yeah, I- I think he's the heart and soul of the Philly team. Uh, I, uh, they're missing him, and, and you know, and dare I say, Reese Hoskins too. I mean, I, I Hoskins is probably out for the year, though. Yeah, he's out, uh, but yeah. I think they're missing both of them. And uh, I was going to say, I thought it was going to be August first. I moved my timetable. I think he'll be here before July fourth, may even be sooner. I mean, he's been taking batting practice, and I think they're going to try to do whatever they can to get him back into the lineup. It's just, you know, I don't know if he's going to be that fast. Oh, is that Frank going under the Northeast (laughs) Streaming Sports? It's got to be Frankie. Frank Frank loves to bust you, Pag. Uh, he does. He, he loves the bus. His keyboard muscles are strong, but don't worry. When he gets in the ring, he's going to feel how, how how weak he is. Okay. Hey, listen. I was just. I just. I just did a little uh, a look up on Frank and posted it on there. Do you realize as an amateur boxer, he was like fifty-two and two or something like that? Uh, see, I mean, that was his problem. He, he had fifty-four amateur fights. Right <laughs> yeah. I, I think mean, that was. 
Frank's record keeping. Yeah, and he and he won the Golden uh, Glove. Well, who cares? Let's get to sports. Well, wait sports. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, we will. We will. We will, Jack. Jack, I'm still running the show. So, anyways, and he did win the 1977 Golden Gloves uh, in Philadelphia. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And I'm going to segue into into a Philadelphia fighter that you had a beer with, Pax. Uh, yeah, and uh, right now he's looking really good in in in. In the heavyweight division, Pags, you want to? Are you talking Sonny? Yes, so, Sonny is my boy. He's uh, what? He's he's what now? Ten and zero, ten and zero with uh, was it nine knockouts or eight knockouts? You guys are great. Mac doesn't give his name. You don't give his name. Yes, Sonny, first name. How is anyone supposed to know who you guys? Uh, well, I don't know his last name like that. I'm Sonny. just, I just, Sonny. Every time I ask if you guys want to talk to him, you're like, no. Sonny Conto, Max. <laughs> I think you're talking about Sonny Liston. I mean, it's Sonny Conto. Sonny Conto. Thank you. That's it. Right. And you got to give the name, the full name. You know, it's like someone tunes in. It's like they're overhearing a conversation. Byron, you see what yeah. I got to put up with every day? Yeah. I see. I see. Good, uh, Sonny, I, I, Sonny is a big guy. I told him, I said, the moment he gets the title fight, I'm coming there as the Philly sports guy. Sonny Conto is a Philadelphia heavyweight that most hardcore boxing fans haven't even heard of. Right. Hardcore. Okay, let me go that. But listen, he's a heavyweight. You keep fighting. You accumulate a record. You know, you try to make a little name for yourself, and you never know what could happen. And then you get matched against the right type of guy you could beat. And, you know, you put yourself in position for an opportunity. And, you know, who knows? But uh, any heavyweight who's already fought 10 fights and so and is one or more, you know, you kind of keep a little eye on them, kind of like as a prospect. How, how old is he? How old is he? He's like, I want to say he's like 23, 24 years old. Okay. I, you know, I, I think one of the things that uh, he's like a street kid. He, he's a lot like uh, like a, a living version of the of Rocky. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's got um, he's not as articulate as you know. So you're not really looking for an articulation from a boxer, but I think that's part of what's 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 maybe uh, holding him back a little bit from being able to be known. Uh, his, you know, he's just, he's more of a, you know, he's, he's a friendly guy to everybody he knows, but he's more of an introverted guy. And then when you talk to him, kind of sounds like Rocky and Rocky one type thing. Uh, actually Rocky, uh, he lives like two houses down from the, the, the house that Rocky lived in. Wow. Where Rocky Balboa lived, people actually live there, right? I mean, does someone actually live yeah. in Rocky Balboa? Yeah, and he still does. Rocket? He still does. Can you imagine if you own that, what you could sell it for Rocky Balboa's apartment? Because there's got to be a wealthy, filthy, rich person. You, you hear about the amount of money people pay for memorabilia. Could you imagine someone who's filthy, rich, they want to buy the Rocky Balboa apartment that they had the movie in? Yeah. And, and Frank, I'm not saying that boxers can't be articulate. I'm saying that I think that the reason why he's lesser known right now is because he is not as articulate. 
You know, it's yeah. just uh, it's that he you can't get to find out his personality because <laughs> they're not interviewing him. He's not the best of interviews. That's kind Good of morning. what I'm getting at. Good morning. I'm so thankful to see Keith Angle here. We can finally start talking about sports after all our gibberish. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? We're going to talk about sports. New England ain't nothing going on at the Patriots. There's nothing I'm really going on with the Yankees. Out. They stink right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't talk to me about, about stinking, man. That 20 minutes, hot dogs well, being thrown for 10 minutes. You know, oh, every geez. Friday I come in here, though, Pags and Frank are going at it back That's and forth. Every Friday. Friday. That's what I was just going to say. It's uh, a 9 o'clock thing, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So uh, I got to go, guys. I got to, I'm working out a kid today. See you, Byron. Byron. Hi, okay. Byron. Have a good one. All right, see you guys. <laughs> but I just see Byron, Byron, and Keith now are having problems. Yeah, I mean, we're we're just how you doing? As, as he's cutting out, <laughs> Keith comes in. Keith, let's get to some uh, Knicks news right off the bat. Uh, it looks like Randall will be playing uh, in the first game. Um, big for the big for the Knicks uh, inside and defensively. Definitely, it's, it'll be interesting to see how limited he is and. What he can normally do, but you know, I like this. Nick, I think the key to the Knicks in this series is going to be Barrett and, and Grimes. I really do. That's what I feel. Barrett needs to really, this is where he's going to sh- needs to shine. He's had a kind of up and down season, and um, this is a, a good place for him to really showcase it. I think Mitch Robinson keep off the boards. Someone has got to neutralize, yeah. you know, Jared Allen and Evan yeah. Mobley with Cleveland. I think that's the key. Well, they- if Robinson. Robinson's really good at what he does when he concentrates on what he does and doesn't think about why am I not getting the basketball and able to shoot the basketball. Just forget about it and do what you're getting paid for, and that's to you know protect the rim and and grab rebounds. Well, we know Cleveland's got a pretty quick offense, but the Knicks can be very quick too, especially when Josh Hart is leading that transition. Probably one of the best pickups for the Knicks this year. Oh, great move! They they really took off. I mean, that ten game winning streak they were on. Uh, co- kind of coincided with it when he joined the team and really started to uh, uh, get enmeshed in the in the rotation and his his relationship with Brunson has helped that I think a lot and uh, he's been the best addition they've made he probably the best acquisition uh, midseason acquisition anyway that uh, this regime has made in forever um, and I was very happy to see him come here and he's even exceeded my expectations I think he's a great player. I think, I think what he's asked to do, he does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in a box score. We always talk about that stuff. Yeah. You need those types of players, and he's one. I, I think that uh, the most important matchup will probably be Brunson uh, versus Mitchell. And, and I think that if, you know, if Brunson gave the best of them, uh, the Knicks have a real good shot at winning this game. Uh, Mitchell's going to get his points, right? Brunson's not a defensive whiz by any points, and, and Mitchell's probably going to take him to town a little bit. But, What's got to happen is Brunson can't care about that. Just, you know, play his game on offense. And um, he's very important. You know, he's a much better player than I gave him credit for when he came here. I knew he was a nice signing, but he's better than I thought he'd be. No, uh, Mac, I just want to correct something I said before. Wow, did I make a mistake? I didn't even realize it and should have. Uh, Milwaukee's actually the number one seed in the East. I kept thinking in terms because Boston was holding that position virtually all year, it seemed. I had my mindset that Boston's going to be the number one seed. So going forward, if the Knicks do win this series and everything plays out according to form, the Knicks wouldn't be playing Boston. They would probably be playing Milwaukee. 
That's well, I think that's a big difference. I think I like the Bucks a lot more than I like the Celtics uh, in the short series. I do. I get, I get bad news for the Knicks if they match up there. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so the Knicks, now the injuries are coming to their infield instead of the pitchers. DJ LeMayu, uh, Torres are out now. They're talking about bringing up Peraza. Um, I mean, it, it showed uh, yesterday an 11-2 loss as uh, Minnesota got nine runs in the first pitch, and it was not good at all, the starting pitcher anyway. Keith. Um, what he did, pitched pretty well before this, the kid, uh, Brito. Well, he pitched pretty well in two starts, um, yeah. and they've been bouncing between the minors and the majors, but he just got lit up early last night. That was ugly. It was. Um, what do you think What do you think the, the Yanks got to do for, to, for their infield, at least temporarily, Keith? Well, I think Peraza is probably the first guy that um, is going to get brought up. There's not a lot you can do. Um, I mean, you got Cabrera who can play around the infield. You'll probably see him more in the infield. The unfortunate part of that is you'll see Hicks in a lineup more. Um, and nobody wants that. Uh, I think this team, it's funny, you know, they've gotten off to a decent start. Eight and five is not a bad start, but they're five games out of first place because the Rays are just playing unbelievable baseball, um, tying, tying the, the, the all-time record here. Um, interesting enough, uh, the last team that did it, the Brewers, at 90. I don't know, year 93 maybe, 92. They didn't make the playoffs. So, And and before people get excited about the Rays, and I don't want to take anything away from them, they played the A's, the Tigers, the Nationals, and the Red Sox to start the season. So four of the worst teams in baseball. Um, so, But you got to beat these teams anyway. I mean, just those are the teams you got to beat. So it just stands out when you play them at the beginning of the year. I don't want to take anything away from them. They're a great team. Wow. They got they got Toronto coming up, Keith, and so we'll we'll kind of get. That'll a look. be interesting to see what happens when they're playing a, a good team now, right? So right, right, exactly. Um, the uh, the Bat Boy drama, Keith, with the long haired Bat Boy. I don't even know his name. I know he's a singer, and and and, and he seems like a nice guy. Um, why why all the press about this bad boy? Because Michael K, who can't keep his mouth shut about anything, he made he he made a big point on the broadcast the other night. They had the camera on the kid forever, and he's kind of mocking him about you know uh, not and the Yankees for what you know why can't the players wear their hair long but the bat boy can and why doesn't he follow Yankee policies and I you know I've never been a fan of Michael K. I just don't like him. I think he's self important freaking blowhard. Um, and this is a perfect example. He's picking out a little ball, ball boy, not little. He's kids as a teenager, but right. I don't think it's a great look, but I'm nobody to comment on somebody's hair. So, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's Michael K is correct. I mean, what's wrong with Michael K said he's in uniform. You're the ball boy. You're in uniform. And if all the players have to be groomed a certain way, anyone in uniform has to be groomed. Why is just it okay if the coaches, if the coaches have long hair and they're not groomed the same way, they're not players. Anyone in the dugout in uniform. I, you okay? know, I just don't Let care. It's not, it, it, by the way, it, the GM, my, it should be the scouts in the box. It's a yeah, non-important issue, and just if Michael Kay hadn't been mocking this kid during a Yankee broadcast this week, it would never have even been a story anywhere. So, yeah, I, I think I think we all disagree with you. I saw a pack shaking his head too. I, I you know, I, I don't think this is much of a story. He's a bat boy. He's not a player. 
Yeah. No, and the fact and the fact that Jack is even defending Michael K about this is ridiculous. You know, first off, the guys signing big contracts, big contracts are are expected to be under very specific you know, guidelines. Uh, the Yankees don't want you to have a beard. They don't want you to do whatever. Like, okay, fine. Now you're stuck. You're stuck doing whatever they do. Bad boys don't make any money. And there, there lies the thing. And when you're giving somebody, hey, this was the bad boy. They had to, they're timing bad boys right now. They, they're they're yeah. putting a clock on them. Yeah, because so, everything relies on what they do, right? The pitch clock and all that, right? Exactly. So they've been timing all that stuff. Hey, listen, it's who cares what Harry look, he looks like and all that stuff, you know, and the fact that Michael K had nothing else to talk about because his team stinks right now. That's that's the problem. Well, yeah, he's not playing poorly. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, they're, they're not playing great either. They're not OK. At the moment. Well, they're not they're playing, not you know. They're not playing Rays baseball, but they're not playing Phillies baseball either. No, no, exactly. I mean, come on. I mean, the Yankees on, you know, on pace. Well, what are the Yankees at? They're one game under 500? Eight and five. No, eight and five. Eight right? Which yeah, I think is the... That's eight and no pace. so ho-hum. It's so very ho-hum that they like got to start packing on the back boy. Yeah, are you kidding me? That part I agree with, Pegs. I I am not a big Michael K fan. I keep waiting for him to be out of the booth. I cannot deal with him much longer. I brought. Uh, I can tell you a little bit of trivia. Michael K once interviewed me. If I ever meet Michael K, I'm gonna want to you know quiz him on it. He was a a young guy about 24 years old. He was the high school reporter for the New York Post. And I was coaching a high school team, so I called in with the results, and he asked me all about the game, and then he wrote it up in the New York Post. So kind of technically a, interviewed. What, were you about 50 at the time? Something, yeah. <laughs> you we were about 50, 55 at the time? It's... <laughs> we, won, uh, we won that game, something you're not all that familiar with. I wish Michael K. he was a good sports writer. I wish he'd go back to sports writing and get out of the Yankee booth. Yeah, yeah, Michael Kay's fine. I mean, he was – You say I'm not familiar with winning? I'm not familiar with The Yankees made the World Series last year. I remember that, right? Oh, no, that's right. They couldn't beat. Uh, the the Astros not once. Uh, anyway, uh, the big news in football, I think. Well, what is control? Is Snyder uh, is selling the team to a group uh, with the Phillies owner? Uh, I think it's Josh Harris. Not, no, he's the Sixers owner. No, Sixers. Sixers, Sixers owner. Yeah. Sorry. And they uh, own the Sixers. They own the, the Devils. I mean, that's what they do. These these guys own franchises. Yeah. Well, there you go. Six billion dollars, guys. And we all know about, you know, the, the uh, I'm ready to say the Redskins passed, but the Commanders passed, uh, you know, with the, the name change and the, the lawsuits and the and the uh, investigations. I think Washington is really ready for Snyder to leave. Yeah, this is a classic uh, addition by subtraction. This had to happen. The atmosphere there is so toxic. There's a, there's investigation seem to be going on for something different every week. And this will help this franchise and the players and the coaching. It'll help everybody. Um, hopefully it happens quickly. Um, this, I, you know, $6 billion I know is a lot of money, but I thought it, I'm a little surprised it's that low. It includes a field. It includes a lot of uh, the stadium, which I'm a little shocked at. Um, so, well, it's, yeah, because it's, 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 it's you know, that's, that, that stadium is going to come down. They, they have to get yeah. a new stadium. 
And so I just feel like Magic the, Johnson is part of this group too. I didn't realize Magic Johnson. They added him on. They added him on to get to get over the hump. They needed to have a certain. Uh, I guess when you buy these franchises, you need to have a certain amount of at, like liquid equity available. Yeah. So they had to bring him in uh, to be able to make that number available. Uh, so I, I mean. I, I so them having the stadium isn't a really big deal because they still got to work a new stadium deal. That's that's where the big issue really well, comes in. They've been get look well. Snyder was anyway looking to get a new stadium. I think in in downtown Washington. I think. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, actually, I heard it was supposed to be outside of Washington. It was more in a. Well, I thought um, in the Washington more Washington centralized, I guess, than Virginia. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I actually heard it was going to be on the other side of Dulles Airport. Oh, interesting. Okay, I don't know where. At least that's that was one of the proposed sites. And I think think, what's the stadium? Ten years old? No, that stadium's well much older than that. Is it? Yeah, I thought it was a newer stadium. I think I think Magic Johnson gives it that that celebrity thing too. People know Magic Johnson, and you know maybe maybe he becomes a a, you know a spokesperson for the, the Commanders or something like that. So. That would be pretty pathetic if an NFL team needs Magic Johnson to be a spokesperson for them. Pretty pathetic. He's Help a minority owner there. It's, he, you know, he'll show up at the games once in a while. You'll see him in the stands. He'll make it appear like he's a big shot, has some say within the organization. And well, that's he all, will. All hype, nothing more than that. He will, and that'll fade away a little bit because it happened with the yeah. Dodgers too. When he was part of that group, he was very visible, and he's really not anymore with the Dodgers. Yeah, you associate Mac Magic Johnson. You associate him with being with the LA Dodgers. He's an LA not, guy, Magic. No not. one does, right? And he's a minority owner. Dwayne Wade, minority owner, what with the Utah Jazz? Does anyone care after a while? I didn't even know that. So. I didn't. I, he, he, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kevin Durant is a minority owner of the Philadelphia Union. That might mean something because the union, no offense, I mean, can only go up, you know, to the average fan who doesn't follow, you know, soccer like that. So Kevin Durant could give that team a little bit of a buzz. He could. Well, I tell you what, I mean, as much as we don't like him as a player, you know what I mean, when he comes to Philly, um, that he's he's very well received when he comes and visits the union. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean it's it's you you look at people a little differently when they are part of the ownership. Uh I guess it's just like, hey, it's first off we have a seven foot tall owner. You know what I mean? That's so he stands out when he comes to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> just in the first place. <laughs> um but it it you know it's like it says it's but it's right, it is a little bit more for show than than for real. You know what I mean? Because I'll. Yeah. That's it. He froze yeah, Pags, Pags is done. So, well, well, he'll eventually pop back in here again. He blew his brain out with that yeah, brilliant story. I, I, I don't know. Kevin Durant bugs him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring him back up That's soon. That's the best photo of Pags I've ever seen. <laughs> like, promos. Yeah. That's like the Isaiah Thomas picture. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas hung up on uh, Max Kellerman and Keyshawn Keyshawn Johnson because he didn't like the way he looked. He looked so seriously. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting sick of Isaiah. I'm getting I'm sick of him. I've been, yeah, for a long time. I've been sick of Isaiah since 1999. Yeah, he's got a wonderful smile. 
but Isaiah's obsessed with undermining Michael Jordan. You know, it all comes back to dream team, to this, to that. He's trying to knock Jordan as low as he possibly could, and he's being given a forum. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Michael Jordan's a nice guy and all that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But I am sick of Isaiah's nonsense that you're constantly hearing on the news. I mean, Isaiah's the ultimate backstabber, it would yeah. seem, you know, in certain ways. I mean, Isaiah reminds me a lot of A-Rod as being disingenuous, right? They come across with their smile and their, you know, yeah. slap-happy stuff, but it's all phony. I don't know it's A-Rod that way now. I, you know, I just think A-Rod, I think A-Rod doesn't have these, He's not as calculating as Isaiah. Isaiah is very oh, calculating. And probably true. With that dream team thing to go back to, none of the guys wanted to, I shouldn't say none, a number of guys didn't want to play with Isaiah because he was a snake in the grass with the Pistons taking cheap shots at him. Michael Jordan didn't want to play with him. Scotty Pippen didn't want to call Malone. Him and Larry Bird didn't have a good relationship. Magic Johnson didn't want to play with them more than anyone else because of what because their friendship had fallen apart and to have isaiah there the chemistry wouldn't have been as good unfortunately and he was the one guy him and bill lambert were public enemy number one but lambert wasn't good enough to be on the team right so uh i don't know why i'm backtracking to another time but yes. but isaiah's always popping up on the news now Saying, well, Jordan wasn't really that good. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. You know, I'm getting tired of him being given this forum that I'm giving him right now by bringing his name. Let's get to the Patriots. Sure. Um, you know, they uh, had some signings, some that you agree with, some you don't. Juju uh, Schwister or Schuster. Schuster. Uh, Smith. Yeah, Schuster. Smith um, Schuster. He's a. Uh, He's uh, one of your wide receivers right now. I know you're not too happy with that signing. Not terribly. I mean, again, the, basically trading Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, more recently, Myers is a better player in my mind. If you look at their careers overall, Schuster looks better. Sure. But I think if you look at it more recently, Myers is better and more dependable. And he's a guy who moves the chains. He does a kind of dirty work. He doesn't get a lot of the, the limelight, didn't score a lot of touchdowns. Last year he did have six, and but he went like six years his career didn't score a touchdown. But he moves the chains, and that's the kind of guy you need. And I, I'm not I'm not confident that Schuster's really going to fit well here. Um, so, I, again, there's some other guys I, I hope step up, uh, like Thornton in the wide receiver uh, slot. Plus they're looking at some wide receivers in the draft. So yeah. hopefully we can minimize uh, how much we have to rely on Schuster. I saw I saw real quick before I came on a quarterback that was just signed by the Patriots, Jack uh, Keith, older quarterback Cody something or other. Um, they signed. Um, I missed it because I don't. Um, let me see. I know he has a, a little bit more experience. Uh, would be maybe helpful to Mac and uh, and Zap. Uh, oh, Zap. Trace McSorley. There you go, McForley. Yeah, Trace McSorley. Yeah, I did hear this the other day. You know, again, without having Jack's favorite clipboard carrier on the team, they wanted a veteran there behind oh. Bailey and uh, Bailey Zappi and and 
and Mac. So is he going to have a big impact? No. I mean, he was a, he's been a journeyman quarterback in the NFL, made some, he's had some starts and he knows the league. And I think he's a good guy to have around. In a well, Hoya went to Las Vegas to join Josh McDaniels, yeah. which is very interesting that Josh McDaniels, you know, has Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, his, his guy at New England was the backup to Brady and Brian Hoya was a backup. So Josh McDaniels obviously likes those guys because they know his system. They're well, like, you know, his his guys, you know. He's likely winner. You know, he's got to win this year, Josh McDaniel. He's probably going to be gone for a second time in two years, uh, within two years. Um, so I think he wants to bring in guys, as you said, Jack, that he's comfortable with. And if he's going to go down, he's going to go down with guys he trusts and know his system and – you know, all uh, that. question is, Keith, let's say the Raiders don't have a good year. Josh McDaniels has let go. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Even if they have a losing season, I personally don't feel Josh McDaniels is going to get fired. But let's say you're correct, which you might be. Does he wind up back at New England once again, you know, with Belichick, who he apparently has a good relationship with, uh, who he had one at least. Again, I, I wouldn't doubt he found his way back. Remember, when he left the Broncos or got fired by the Broncos, he didn't come directly back to the Patriots. He was the offensive coordinator for the Rams, and it was a couple of years before he found his way back because they had Bill O'Brien like they do now um, in that role. And when he left, that's when they brought – actually, he may have come back to the team to be the quarterback coach even before O'Brien left. And then he re, re, you know, and he's obviously still a big part of that game plan. So everyone is – their pattern here – Anyone on the Belichick coaching staff who leaves is usually going to find their way back, with the exception of Eric Mangini. I don't think that was forgivable with Belichick because well, Mangini later on said he he regretted reporting Belichick in. It was a mistake and all that. But, of course, Mangini said it when he was out of a job after coaching the Jets in Cleveland, so it didn't have the same value to me at that point, what he yeah. said. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that have found their way back, but not all of them. I mean, probably two of his best coordinators that left were Charlie Weissen and, um, oh, my God, his name. I just had his name, uh, the defensive coordinator. Romeo Cornell. Romeo Cornell. They never found their way back. Well, they, didn't, they didn't want At that point in their career, Charlie Weiss coached, you know, Notre Dame, and he wasn't – it seemed like he wasn't ready to come back. I think if Char- I think if Charlie Weiss had a chance to come back to the Patriots as the offensive coordinator, go to Kansas uh, to be the head coach, he would have come back to the Patriots at that point in time. Maybe so. Pat's glad to have you back there, buddy. Too late. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I got cut off, but it didn't matter. Okay, all right. So since you're back, let's talk a little bit about the Seventy Sixers. Um, you know, they're going up against the Nets. Do you see the Nets having any kind of chance at beating the Seventy Sixers? No. Uh, I think it goes. Uh, I think it goes five games, maybe. Um, so, so I, I, let me ask this question, uh, and I guess I'll ask this to Jack: uh, Is it going to be all right if I show up there in my paint? You're talking about the Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the Barclays <clears throat> Center is kind of located around the artsy area. 
So they're used to people like you just walking around normally like that during the day. <laughs> You'll blend in. I know you want to stand out. You'll blend yeah. in. And I don't. I don't need to stand out. Uh, hey, listen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be going there. Uh, it's gonna be my first time ever going to that stadium. Uh, uh, it's gonna be my actual first ever away basketball game. Uh, so I'm going to go out there and um, I'm hoping to go out there for game four. I was going to try to do game three, but I have a previous commitment. So let me tell you, the Sixers absolutely have to take care of business because they will never live it down. If Mikel Bridges goes off, plays like a superstar and they lose to the Nets. So I'm going to go step further. Mm-hmm. Even if the Sixers win the series, which they absolutely should. But if this thing goes seven games and the Sixers win, and Mikel Bridges is the best player on the court, short of Joe Lambeed, of course, it's going to be hard to live down because it's going to be right in front of Sixer fans this series what they could have had. And Mikel Bridges is going to show up and he is going to be outstanding, even though we agree. Yeah, that I, so I, I, I don't even think... <clears throat> I think he could still have a really good series and and have people talking. It, he's already get people talking in Philadelphia. Uh, that it's, it should have been that he would have fit in really well with this team right had now. Had they, they not traded – had they hold on, held on to Mikel Bridges and that they stuck with Markel Fultz, who's waged to come back with the Orlando Magic – Sixers would be in prime position to win the NBA Listen, title. Mar- Markel Fultz, Fultz, uh, it, it just now starting his resurgence after five years in the NBA of not being able to make a shot and playing with that hitch. So I, I'm not worried about Fultz. Mikel Bridges, however, did, did, did his job in Phoenix, what they asked him to do, and now he, when he goes out and he gets to play uh, on a team where he could be the man, He's being the man, and I think that's that's something to be said for him. Uh, they were talking about it yesterday. As uh, uh, he, he's definitely as he's definitely a Jay Wright guy, and Jay Wright uh, was uh, came on the radio, I think, or maybe had said it at a different time. Uh, was that uh, when Jay Wright would go out and recruit players? He didn't recruit pro pro players. He recruited guys who could play pro basketball and and uh, go to achieve to be a pro player. Mikel Bridges is absolutely one of the guys that he recruited to become a pro player, not as a pro player. He didn't go into Villanova playing at, like uh, the ability to be a pro player. He learned it from Jay Wright, and now he is thriving in a situation where he gets to be the guy. There you go. Carlos, Carlos is firing the comments at you about the uh, about the 76ers not going all the way back. Just to let you know. Hey, listen. Yeah, they got to get past Boston. They got to get past Boston. That's going to be the big deal. You know, how are they how are they going to be able to combat the bench? Because it's it's I feel that the starting five beats their starting five by about 10 to 12 points, but their bench beats us by about 20 and that means there's an eight point differential that they got to make up somewhere and i'm not sure where they're going to do it yeah yeah you know i'll just say this about the brooklyn uh sixers series 
I don't think the, the Nets can beat them either. But I will, I will say this: Jack Vaughn's done a great job there this year to keep that team in the playoffs and even out of the play-in tournament. I think is a remarkable job of coaching by him, with very little to work with besides Bridges. I think there's not a lot of talent on that roster. Do you think Atlanta uh, gives Boston any bit of a difficult series? I think they'll have a puncher's chance. I, I like Quinn Snyder a lot as a coach, and uh, he hasn't done great since he's been there. I think they're around 500, but uh, I like what he he's he did out in Utah. And I, there's there's really good players on this uh, Hawks team still that can uh, fill the basket uh, basket up. And you know Boston better not fall asleep. They could lose a game or two maybe, but I think they'll probably prevail. But they could have a puncher's chance maybe. Yeah, I don't think that they would win. I think Boston absolutely wins. I just want to see if it would be more of a physical series than I'm expecting than with the Sixers and Nets. I'd yeah. like to see Boston a little bit more beat up. Uh, I don't know that Atlanta can do it. Uh, I mean, since since they did the rule change, Trey Young isn't the same player. That's true. You know true. what I mean? So, and that's, that's, and that's just the real of it. Uh, and, and even though they've got an okay center over there, they don't play great, great defense especially right. at the three-point arc. And right. that's yeah. that's where you need it against Boston. So it's like John Collins has got to learn how to, you know, take two steps away from the basket and get out and just put his hands up against somebody uh, on Boston in that three-point area, and maybe they'd have a, a better shot. But Agreed. That's still a game or two maybe, and that probably would be it. Maybe. Um, Doc is not taking any – uh, questions on Ben Simmons. Why are they even asking questions about Ben Simmons right now? I, I have no idea why they're even bothering. It's a fair match because the two teams are playing one another. And he was traded this year. It's, it's well, it's not unfair, let me put it that way. But since Ben Simmons isn't playing in the series, right? you know, it, there's not much to talk about. I agree with that. But it. Yeah. it Ben Simmons is a lightning rod. He's going to be that wherever he goes. If he was playing, I would say. Do you think he'll play basketball again? No. I was just asking to ask that. I say no. I don't don't think so either. I think between the, you know, whatever medical issues he has and whatever, again, I don't say this lightly. He's obviously got some mental blockages about the game itself anyway. You know, he won't shoot the basketball. I just don't know. The, I don't think he loves the game of basketball. I just don't think there's going to be any reason for him to come back. So he's here's probably. what I think. Here's what I think, because I know he's got two or three more years on his contract. I think he tries to make a resurgence in a year and a half to get another chat, get another yeah, chat. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And Carlos yeah, you know, won't shoot. And not only that, not only that, but I said that this was going to come up again, and the – the NBA uh, is going to is going to, um, you know, they're going to go back to the bargaining cha- table against the uh, NBA PA, you know, Players Association. So they they are able to pull out the opt. They were able to opt out of this contract, and I said that they were going to make the Ben Simmons rule. I would not be surprised that that happens. That yes. if if players do not want to play. They are going to be able to not pay them. Good. That would be nice. That That's a good thing. Be. Yes. Because um, guess what? If I don't go to work for a long time, I'm not getting paid. I know right. that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's and cool. that's and that's what and Ben Simmons is playing a very a very bad game here. He's playing a very bad game, and it's going to cost all of the players in the NBA because of it. 
Right now, you're, I know it's early packs, but right now your Phillies are sitting behind <clears throat> Braves, the Mets, and even Florida. They're, they're kind of working uh, Bryce Hopper out at first base. Your pitching is uh, is terrible. Your hitting is okay. Uh, what, are the, what are the Phillies going to do to turn this around? Better pitching. I, something, I feel like something may be happening in the locker room. There's something going on in the locker room. Uh, there was a little bit of upsetness of on, hey, we're not a big fan of this pitch clock. Well, everybody's dealing with the pitch clock. Deal with it. Um, I, I think that, I'll be honest, they're starting out the exact same way that they started out last year. you know. And I think that it's, it's going to take something to really boost them. I'm hoping that it is Harper coming back. That gives them the boost that they needed from last year, where it was the Joe Girardi boost. You know, getting rid of Joe Girardi, bringing in Rob Thompson. All of a sudden, life has changed. It's similar situation here. I feel like that they're going the same trajectory as they did last year. Uh, that they they're going to need something, and that means they could possibly be trading somebody. That I mean, there's there could be a lot of different things that occur that cause that. Hopefully, it's Harper coming back that makes that change. You're not saying it might be the manager because I don't think the manager is getting fired again this year for that. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. But they're going to need yeah. – I think they need uh, a spark. Yeah. Agreed. That's got to occur from somewhere. And, and you're right. They're not going to fire Rob Thompson after he went to the World Series last no. year. Uh, I, it's going to need to come from a different location. Uh, and, and sometimes it just needs to be manufactured. You know what I mean? I thought maybe uh, the come, come from behind women uh, – the other night might have done it, and then of course they lost to the Reds, and then we beat we beat uh, uh, the Cy Young winner. We crushed him, and then we lost the next two. You know, so uh, the base running errors, uh, base running errors, kill a team. They just kill a team. It's so frustrating to watch how somebody gets out on third base or at home. In rundowns, uh, just that's so bad, so bad. It's been like eight different ones that I can count. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I, I think the Phillies will, will be fine. It's still early, uh, but I agree. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely need to do something to get that team kickstarted. But you got to yeah. think about it. Like, think about this for the Rays. Games that you win now, hey, every team wins sixty and loses sixty. It's with the, what happens with the other forty-two. Right. You can't have games go into that forty-two <laughs> in this early of the season. You know, you either going to win them or lose them. Got to stay at around five hundred. You can't put eggs in the basket. For the bad side in the other forty-two, and anytime you they lost two games specifically from base running gaps, and that's those are two games. Now they only got forty games left of those forty-two games, and that's what I have the problem with. You can't. Those are the places I blame coaching staffs too for those types of gaps too, mental areas. I tell you, I I've never had to say that the third base coach had a bad day. Yeah, that's that's so weird to say. Base running mistakes. Javier Baez on the Tigers. You know he was with the Cubs and he went to the Mets and signed as a free agent a year ago with the Tigers. 140 million he signed for for six years. He was taken out of the game by Tiger manager AJ Hinch in the third inning because he had a mental block on the bases. He got doubled off the bases. Didn't realize how many outs they were. And this isn't the first time something like that happened. 
And those type of mistakes are kind of like inexcusable. You gotta, you know, I could forgive the physical nature of it, but the mental part of it, you know, you just can't put up with. Yeah. Well, I think- and I, and I hear you. And it's, then you got to pay attention to whether it's the player or the coach. And I was, I, I did pay attention on, on those plays <clears throat> and late stop signs, really late stop signs are tough on a player. And it, it, it ate us on one of the plays and it killed, it killed. What the hell is Castellanos trying to do to stretch a triple that he know he's got? He ain't the fastest guy. He's not getting an inside the park home run when they do, when they throw the ball away. You know what I mean? So it's already an error. Why try to go for it? He was out by eight steps. Same thing. Three different plays. The guys were out by like eight to ten steps. So yeah, you yeah, can't the coach do that. Try to control it. It's so hard once you're running all out. You've got to make a split-second decision whether you're going to try to get an extra base or not. And like you say, you know, it, it's so difficult to just pull up. This is where they have to know as you're rounding a base, you look up at the coach, and the coach has to be very decisive. What do you Correct. think? But you don't really have a coach to help you if you're trying to stretch a double into a triple. I mean, you're really on your own at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, when you're, especially when you're coming down the third baseline to go to home, that base, that, that coach has got to be down the line, and he's got to have, he's got to be decisive. You can't be going like this and then like that. You know what I mean? And that's what happened a couple of times, uh, and specifically. And it was funny how Rob Thompson, uh, there were four base running errors in that game. He only mentioned Marsh, where Marsh ran through a stop sign. He didn't mention the other three plays. One was by Schwarber. I don't know what he was doing coming too far off first base because he's slow as molasses. And then the other two were by the third base coach. So I I am, you know, like it's, they said, it's it's funny when you can say that the third base coach had a bad day and it cost the game. Well, you know, the third base coach, that's probably the hardest base coaching job (laughs) there is. I mean, You've got to have somebody that's that's smart out there. It's hard too because different parks have different angles on the off the wall, and who's you know is he going to get to the ball fast enough? Can he throw from that distance? I mean, there's so many things that you got to think of like this uh, before you give him the sign. So that I don't I I don't fault the third base coach a lot things like that, and 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 then you get the runner looking back instead of paying attention. There's so many things going on. When there's three bad plays at the plate, yeah, it's not all the players. It's not all the players there. Hey, and like I said, Wrexham, Wrexham has done a very good job for the Phillies. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not blaming him. But he had a bad day that day. I know it's ancient history, but in the 1980 playoffs when the Yankees lost to the Kansas City Royals, the third base coach Mike Ferrara sent the runner home was caught i think it was willie randolph maybe greg nettles greg nettles i'm greg sorry yeah. me. got thrown out at home and steinbrenner fired the third base coach the you know the season <laughs> ended on that game and he just fired them based on that one play sending the runner yeah you know uh everybody i think has saw the the umpire getting hit off the the, the head i think it was cleveland uh, in, in in the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was a Yankee game the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how many runs scored off. The, is that interference? 
guys no. if it hits the umpire in the head no. no no balls in play i don't know if it, I, it's not a dead ball a ball's in play as far as i know yeah so. actually and and it, it's it happens it, on the lines a lot on foul balls you know falls down the line and whatnot though it'll hit them well and, and there was i mean there was a play with soto soto hit the before he became a philly he threw the he threw the ball to first base hit the umpire in the head but shouldn't the umpires have some type of helmet on? I mean, it makes no sense. These hard line uh, drives they hit, they don't have a glove. Um, They're defenseless out there. And so we, we talk about velocity of the ball off the bat. They're fairly close. The velocity is so quick. And they're older guys. And this umpire was 67 years old, meaning he's not 27. His reflexes aren't going to be as good. He's not going to be able to hit the deck as quickly. Well, hit him in the head. He, yeah, never he, was, he never saw it. He never yeah. saw it. He could have gotten was he okay? He went to the hospital. He's going to be okay. Yeah. Didn't we have a case in the minor league some years ago of a third base coach getting killed on the ball that was hit uh, off Kuba. the bat? Yeah, Akuba was his name. And that's when the major league, well, first the minor leagues and the major leagues adopted that the base coaches had to start wearing helmets. And I thought the other day that you'll probably see that with umpires before long. They'll have yeah, to I, I uh, assume they would have had some type of, you know, headgear on. Yeah. I mean, they had, you know, it, it's a must. I would wanted that, to go a step further. Uh, it, it's going to be on a debate show. We're going to talk about whether the umpire should be allowed to actually even have a glove on for protection. <laughs> and then you make a call, you just strap your glove. You're standing behind first the third baseline. You know, you have a glove in the event the ball is hit towards you and you can't get out of the way. Obviously, you're not trying to feel the ball if you're not. Yeah, well, I, and here's the problem with that. I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I mean, it, first off, let's let's go to it. Let's go to the real reason probably why they're not doing any of this. It's hot. Baseball yeah, is a hot game. And now these guys are going to wear all that <laughs> stuff and they got to wear a helmet the entire time. It's going to be they, – they'd have to figure out a way so that there is a lot of airflow through there because these guys are going to have to wear it all game long. It's you not like it they can go into the dugout and take it off. But it, it's so easy for you to say as you're out in the stands in the shade, you know, but they're wearing this uh, – you know, they have an inning all – you know, nine innings to have to, to go up against. If not, it may go 10 or 11, and you got to wear that helmet. I understand it's for safety, but you got to make sure. I mean, these things, are, these guys are wearing a lot of stuff already. It's hot. Wait, well, that, that, well, yeah, no, no, you make a great point that we've never even discussed on this show what the umpires have to get through. If you take a hot day and you got to be out there on your, on your feet the whole game, you know how hard that is to do? I mean, I, I run a lot, walk a lot, work out a lot. But if you told me I had to just stand somewhere in 85-degree weather for like three and a half hours and not sit down. How do you think it must have been years ago, Jack, when they were all had to wear uh, sport coats and everything else out there? It must have been yeah. atrocious. If you remember, <laughs> National League umpires were like in black. Yeah. Only in black. I, I have that. a new invention, guys. The chair boy who brings out chairs for the umpires to sit in between innings. For real. Oh. And the umpire has to go, on. you know, there are issues too. The umpire needs to stay hydrated in hot weather, meaning they have to drink, meaning they have to do a quick bathroom stop. 
I'm not sure how that works with the umpires with quick bathroom stops. They run into the clubhouse. So you run into a clubhouse where the players are already ticked off at you about a certain call you might make. And then you'll get one of these jokesters, one of these stupid players who's going to lock the door on the other side and lock the umpire in, and that's going to make national news. Jack, sometimes I don't understand how your mind works. I, mean, you just, you um, just... I think ahead of the curve. You just <laughs> in. I could have told you before I the think Phillies had those $1 hot dogs. It was going to backfire. The Philly fans were – Keith, you heard about this. They were throwing the $1 hot dogs. And I heard it, yeah. Right very mature behavior by the Philly fans. Very mature. Yes. So uh, we uh, – because, because Grandpa Jack, who, you know, in my day, when we had the $1 hot dogs, we ate all them hot dogs. Yes. Yes. You don't see a throwing the seven dollar hot dogs on the field. That's for sure. no, that's we do not. Good point. That's for sure. <laughs> good point, Keith. Good point. Yes, yes. So, uh, Jack, let's get some boxing in with you uh, before we go. Tony Bellu, uh, Bellu, Jack, yeah, saying that he was a uh, he was a title holder at one time. He predicts Joshua fights Fury in December. I don't know. He, if you're he doesn't know any more than any of us here that they're going to fight. I mean, he's Tony Bellew was promoted by Eddie Hearn. Josh was promoted. He's clo- very close with Eddie Hearn. Tony Bellew has been a big Joshua backer, big Joshua fan. He's 100% behind Joshua. Yeah, it might happen because in the case of Anthony Joshua, there might be a point where they're looking to cash out make as much money as they can, take a shot at fighting Tyson Fury, have a rematch clause put in, <clears throat> meaning that two big paydays for two fights. And maybe he wins one of the two, and that means there are other big fights. So, yeah, it makes sense. He's not telling us anything really revealing. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got this uh, – Keith, we talked about this before you came on. They got this South Philadelphia fighter, uh, Kanto, who is uh is uh <laughs> with all what? that's going on in the boxing world and all due respect to Sony Sonny Kanto, Sonny Kanto why are we having more time on him with all the because fighters? Keith 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 hasn't heard about it yet so I want to get him filled in a Southern Philadelphia fighter uh Pac says he's a lot like Rocky you know he's not that he, he's not that articulate and uh that he's gonna uh I think he's what do you, what do you say? He's nine and zero right now. Really young in his I think he's career. Ten and zero. I think he's ten and zero uh, with nine <laughs> knockouts. Right. So uh, he's he's he's, he's going he's going up the ranks pretty good, and you know I I expect that uh, it's not going to be long before he gets his title shot. So there you go. So he's about as much boxing oh. fans as her have I'm heard not. of him. As football fans could tell you, who the left tackle is on the Atlanta Falcons. So, what was the what was the issue with uh, this guy? What's the issue oh, there was, with him? There was oh, no issue. Okay, you talked about him being articulate or not. I mean, what does that matter? Uh, well, no, I I, I happen to mention that no. uh, he's 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 the reason why he's not mentioned more in the boxing world at oh. 10-0 with nine knockouts. I think is because he's not uh, the greatest of interviews. So you don't really get to see his personality very much, and it, and I think because it's very you know he's he's kind of Rocky esque in the way wow. that he talks. So and I but you know his fists do a lot more talking. 
Give him a, give him some time because if you remember, Rocky talked better th- with each additional sequel. He talked better. <laughs> well, all the way up until four. You know, after four <laughs> and five, five he wasn't. No, then he went backwards. He went backwards yeah. after four. Yes. Let me ask you this, Pax, and whether you guys think Rocky won. The guy who was driving Rocky and asked him, "Did he get the license plate number?" Rocky said, "A one." He said, "The truck to run over your face." The driver <laughs> is he the typical? Philadelphia fan, that guy who was driving, you know, Gazzo and Rocky in the car. Is that your typical fan in Philly? A little bit. A little bit. There's there's definitely some of that. You know, it's like you know, every once in a while I get a hater that has no reason to hate. You know, I get I get people that are hating on me all the time. And, and I could sometimes weed through and I find somebody who hates on me because for no reason, you know, when they're, when they're a Philly fan and they're hating on me, they've got other issues that they're dealing with. And I just ran into somebody recently who's been, who's been doing that. who has been hating on me. And I, you know, you go to find out like, first off, haters are bullies. That's exactly what they are. And I don't get bullied by anybody. But I think that there is definitely because we get bullied by the media so frequently that we always have our backs up a little bit, you know, in in Philadelphia. And I think that that's part of what happens. You know, you know, I think about all the things that have happened. There's nobody that's ever died leaving an Eagles game. But the Raiders, they have the Chiefs, they have. The Broncos they have, the Colts they have, you know, it's like so, but no, Patriots. that never gets reported. The Patriots have. So Patriots, all these Patriots couldn't play on Monday night football for about twenty five years because of fan yeah. behavior, a guy getting killed in a Monday night game. Yeah. Right. So but but yet Philly is the easy target to beat up on. And, and that's fine. That's why that's why I think Philadelphia fans, this <clears throat> this uh nobody likes us and we don't care. Is a defense mechanism as a city, you know what I mean? That the city embraces that because we do get bullied a lot, you know, and that's why. But the thing is, is that we've got thick skin; we take it. All right. Okay. Well said, Pags. Um, so, folks, we're coming near the end of the hour. Let's give you a few updates here. Uh, Jack, of course, every Monday night he's on with Frank Lotirzo as they go at it. Uh, about boxing opinions and their issues. They have their uh, fantasy fights that they like to have fun with and, and everybody enjoys. So uh, check them out every Monday night at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Keith Angle, three shows on the network. He has the College Huddle. He does uh, a, a show with the Mad New Yorker who was just on with us right now, Carlos Chavez. And uh, he has his uh, Sunday Scream of Consciousness uh, where he takes a lot of uh, comments and that kind of drives the show there, which is a lot of fun if you want to check him out. Pags is everywhere. If you want to find out what he's at, the hot dog, uh, the hot dog <laughs> thing, he's, yeah. at, he's everywhere. He's doing, he's you know, it's funny. Stuff. I was at the Flyers game that day, but that's, I stopped there specifically, one, because it was Dollar Dog Night. And right. two, I had gone Sunday uh, when Boston broke the record uh, for wins in the season. Uh, I was there at, Amongst the full Boston crowd in that stadium. Nice. Nice. How do you think Joey Chestnut trains for that hot dog eating contest? 
There you go. Can you train for that? I mean, that's insane. And that he trains insane. by eating all the time. Five hot dogs or so in twelve minutes. There you go. Oh man. So Jack, Jack talks about us going off off topic and uh, talking about nonsense. <laughs> and Joey Chestnut, a Philly guy. Well, there you go. That's yeah. Just saying, another Philly sports. Uh, you know. Uh, I was going off topic. Pags was talking about hot dogs. I was on topic. You bring up Joey Chestnut. That that. But he did have to do with hot dogs. Yes. He's the best eater. Dog. He's the best eater in the world. He's the he fastest cheats. eater in the world. He so. cheats. They, they cheats. They don't eat the bun and the hot dog at the same time. They do. They, do. No, they don't. Does. They, dip it, they dip it in water, Pags. After they shove the hot dog, and then they yeah. shove the bun in their mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, of course that. Of course that's, that. So well, that's cheating. That's not really eating hot dogs. That's just shoving things down your throat. That's all that is. It's disgusting. But anyway, Pags is is also uh, <laughs> TikTok, uh, a TikTok guy, a sensation out there. If you want to call him that, go to his site, check it out. He does a great job uh, with his TikTok videos. Some of the best videos I've ever seen. Anyway, and of course, uh, Mac and Jack will be back tomorrow on the S Saturday debate show with Dr. Paul Semendinger. Pags will be with us also, and we'll be debating uh, old and new topics. Uh, Jack, since he's taken over, the show has climbed in the ratings off, off of me. So anyway, uh, coming over Saturday, check us out in the Bait Show. And Sunday, of course, this week in sports. Folks, enjoy the NBA uh, games today and tomorrow over the weekend. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Mac and Jack Sports Debate Show. Have a great Friday night, guys. Boom.